2: 18 plus. Heavenly Father, we come again, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions, and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time I have, Lord, with my sister in Christ that you've given us yet another day, Lord that we might edify the body of Christ, that we may be taught of your word. And we pray, Lord, that no flesh gets glorified. We pray that there's no man's heart being heard today, Lord, but we only want your words. For I believe wholeheartedly, Lord, that you gave me this study for a reason. And I'm praying, Lord, that it pierces through, Lord, soul and spirit, that people might receive your truth, that we may understand where we all are and what we're all dealing with, And that we only have one enemy, and those things that are not of Jesus Christ, Lord, are not of us, or they are of the enemy. So I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit that is anti-Christ that is not of you, Lord Jesus, I pray that it be cast down. And I ask for a strong presence of the Holy Ghost this evening, Lord, that your words will be heard. And I pray that you open the eyes of those who can't see and the ears of those who can't hear, that we may have a clear perspective as to what is yours, Lord, and what is the enemy's you are the king of kings you are the lord of lords and i pray lord for andrew's grandmother or great grandmother lord that passed away i pray that you watch over that family lord that they might receive you i thank you lord for the brethren that you have introduced us to that we may fellowship with in the future and i thank you lord for those that you have introduced to me that are seeking you for real and i just pray lord that you breathe on this ministry I pray that you write upon this ministry, your anointing, yes, Lord, Lord, that we may bring in our harvest. For You said that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. So I pray, Lord, that you throw us in your vineyard, that you get us to work for you, Lord, for free. Yes, Lord. Because the reward of eternal life we cannot repay. No, but it is worth more, Lord, than anything else in this world is that Jesus Christ lives in us and works through us, which is the only hope of glory for us and the world. Yes, Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, for all these things. And we pray that you do these things that we ask for, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be an interesting one. It's going to be called The Whore of Babylon the whore of Babylon because I know that we've gone through this before and I know that we've talked about this how um, you know Revelation 17 tells us all about this whore but we intend to break it down tonight and we intend to go forward with what the Lord has been putting on my heart about it to speak because I personally believe it's just so funny that the Lord can give you something and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense at first how can you read over chapters again and again, and then all of a sudden, you know, things just begin to stand out? We're going to talk a lot about this whore. We're going to talk about the way that she's dressed. We're going to talk a lot about, you know, what her appetite is. And we're going to talk about those who are serving her and just about every aspect of life. So for those that don't understand... What we're talking about, we're going to get into Revelation 17. But before we go there, you know, I do want to um, bring up the word whore because um, we're going to get some emphasis on what whore means, what harlot means. So that way we could stop being the whore and the harlot and doing the very things that God wants us to. So the first word we're going to look up as we go into this study is the word harlot. Okay, so that's uh, Hebrews. Uh, Two one eight one, And the word says to commit fornication, to be a harlot, play the harlot, to be a harlot, act as a harlot, commit fornication, to commit adultery, to be a male, to be a cult prostitute. Now, you know, everybody's got to understand what that means because that's talking about, you know, homosexuality or it talks about a woman being used by lots of different things you know, that are not of God. Okay. Verse four. And then, I mean, this is four and it says to be unfaithful to God, to play the harlot, to cause, to commit adultery, to force into prostitution, to commit fornication. Okay. And that word is Zana in in Hebrew. Zana. I think that's the way they pronounce it. So we're going to look up next the word whore. Okay. Whore. It's important that we remember the meanings of these words because, you know, they're going to be very significant to tonight. So this is the word whore. This is um, Hebrews 2, 1, 8, 1. So it's the same word, I believe. And the word is zona again. And it says to commit fornication, to be a harlot, play in harlot. Okay. And then we'll even go to the word whoredom because that word gets used a lot. And it's the same word zona, which means the exact same thing. So we've got to understand that a whore is something that is against God. that does not go according to the way that God is. It means unfaithfulness. It also stands for filthiness. It also stands for, uh, you know, no respect. It entices, it lures, but it defiles at the same time. Okay, so from here, let's get into, uh, where do I want to go first? to tip this whole thing off let's go to uh, Leviticus 21 and let's begin at verse 7 Leviticus 21 and verse 7 we're going to see how God feels about whores see there's nothing new under the sun nope. alright All right, so this is Leviticus 21 and verse 7 it says They shall not take a wife that is a whore or profane, neither shall they take a woman put away from her husband, for he is holy unto his God. And thou shalt sanctify him therefore, for he offereth thy bread of thy God. He shall be holy unto thee, for I the Lord which sanctify you am holy. So what are we talking about? We're talking about a particular Knowledge. I mean, uh, not knowledge, nature. We're talking about the nature of what a whore is about that God wants nothing to do with. And this is why the Bible says in James 4 that some people are adulterers and adulteresses. Because what they look forward to is they're trying to please the world. They're trying to get into the things that are not of God. But then we want to go and jump back in the arms of the Lord. So hopefully tonight, with what we're going to cover, we're going to also talk about God's heart. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the way that He feels. Because I think it is important for any harlot to understand what God feels. You've got to be able to bear this and to understand this. So we're going to get pretty deep tonight, so that people can get a real understanding in what we do to the Lord. Okay. So again, let's go to uh, uh, let's go to Revelation 17. Let's get this party started. (laughs) Revelation 17. right so this is revelation 17 and we will begin in verse 1 and it says and there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me saying unto me come hither and i will shew unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters so obviously we're not talking about a woman exactly you know but we understand that this is a great whore and it sits on many waters so what is it saying it's sitting on lots of nations. It's sitting in lots of establishments, lots of civilization that he's talking about here. Then it says, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So as you can see, this is in Harlot that is talking about, I mean, they're talking about the kings, rulers of the earth have committed fornication with this harlot. And then you wonder where a lot of our laws and things come from in the world because, you know, a lot of people have been involved with this harlot. So it says that they're drunk with the wine of her fornication. So that means that these guys are acting in another spirit that is contrary to what the will of the Lord is. You know, these people are blind. They're drunk. They don't even recognize what they're doing because they've been intoxicated with this. Mm -hmm. So then it says... So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication so as we understand this is where the Lord kind of you know tried to get me to see some things because he talks about this woman sitting upon a scarlet colored beast all right so anything that is scarlet that the Bible addresses is usually filthy is usually something that is not righteous the reason why I say that is is because if you go to Isaiah chapter 1 He said, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white like wool or white as wool. Though they be like crimson, I will make them white as snow. So we understand that this red that this woman is wearing or this scarlet color represents sin. But then it also talks about the purple. Purple is also symbolic for um, royalty. So as you can see, this is a sin. This is a whore of sin and royalty Mm -hmm. when it says the kings have committed fornication with her the kings are not going to fornicate with something that is supposed to be you know lowly or beneath them Mm -hmm. this is what you call a great whore. how they would say in society today a boss hoe that's exactly what it would be like you know one that has clout one that has respect of the world one that is enticing unto man Mm -hmm. so then it says so he sits upon this beast now you know a beast can be used for many different things beast, men are referred to as beasts in this Bible that are against God the Antichrist himself is referred to as a beast and then it's also a governmental system or kingdom that is not of God Yep. that which is not of God is a beast okay so we understand here that this is a beast system okay a, a system of sin alright an unholy system that in harlot is riding on top of that is rich because it says she has gold and precious stones and having um she has oh uh, yeah in the purple and scarlet color gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand so we're gonna break this down little by little because we want to make the point I'm gonna continue to read this for now and break down some scripture but from here we're gonna go into what this whore is dressed like what this is about. Now it's contrary to what God wants, and we're going to get some understanding here. So it says, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So we went over last week with the word abomination as it means that which is detestable, mm-hmm. that which is filthy, that which is disgusted. We know that fornication is the Greek word porneia, which talks about all type of illicit sexual activity. It could be fornication, it could be sodomy, it could be homosexuality, it could be, you know, unfaithfulness, adultery, it could be bestiality, whatever it is. That's the Greek word porneia, where you get um, fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So as we can see, it's a mystery because it's not something that would be obvious to the eyes of the world. This would take some spiritual understanding to see. Uh, John himself had to be caught into the spirit to know what this thing is. So this thing is a mystery and it calls it Babylon the Great. And you're like, man, I thought Babylon died and left a long time ago. So why would Babylon be significant in a time like this, when there's no such country as Babylon anymore? But as we can see, the spirit of Babylon lives on. The spirit of Babylon never went anywhere other than to go forward. And what is another word for Babylon? Confusion. By mixing or um, or confounding, All right, confounding or mixing um, with confusion. So, as we can understand that, when we look at today, we look at society, and a lot of things that were outlawed and outruled, that, that weren't supposed to be even what people would think of as normal, is now normal today. But as we can see, those same practices go right back to Babylon. So that's calling it a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. This isn't just any harlot, this is the month of harlots and abominations of the earth. So this is the source of all filth is what they're pretty much saying. But you see, what makes a whore attractive? I remember one day I was walking down the street and I saw a prostitute on the corner just sitting there, you know, just standing there. I saw a car pull up. And I mean, this chick looked like she had no teeth in her mouth. She was almost bald. She looked dirty. She looked nasty. But the thing is, is that a guy rolled up you know, was talking to her, and all of a sudden she got in the car, and he's just driving off fast. Like, they couldn't wait to get to where they had to go. But you would ask yourself, what would make a man attracted to something like this? But you see, a whore feeds the very nature of a beast. So it's no wonder that she's riding this beast, that that this beast is leading her throughout the world, because only a beast wants a whore it feeds your very nature what your wife won't do and what your wife will say no this is nasty I'm not going to get involved in that a whore will do it why because she has no self respect it's all about the money it's all about the thrill it's all about the defilement that can you know what um, feed that appetite of the beast so we got to understand this so this is 17 and um, 6 and it says and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So he was like, man, in awe, like, I can't believe that this woman is drunk with the blood of the saints. That means that this chick is, I mean, intoxicated with murder. This chick is a killer, a murderer. Mm -hmm. She's going after every soul. It doesn't matter what. And she's drunk with the blood of them. She's killed more than you can possibly imagine. And she's just drinking it down like it's no big deal. She is sick on this. Yeah.
0: And something to point out with that is because you know, abortion is not considered murder today. And it's a it's a, it's a process that's growing over the course of time. It starts with abortion and then what does it feed into after that? You know, when this system goes crazy, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to, I'm no doubt, believing that they're going to allow the murder of Christians. Absolutely.
2: And I mean, you know, a lot of people equate this to the Catholic Church, and I see some a whole lot of significance, but what we're going to see is, the harlot is greater than that, Yeah. okay? the the um, That might be a good part of the harlot. You know, the Catholic Church may be one of the pearls that this harlot is wearing, or one of the kings in the earth mm-hmm. that this harlot is fornicated with, But they're not the whole story. But we are going to find out why the Catholic Church does what it does. It has been in bed with this harlot, but it is not the whole harlot. It's only part of the deal. A huge part, but it's only part of the deal. So then it says, he wondered with greater admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast which thou sawest is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition, and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names are not written in the book of life um, from the foundation of the world, and when they behold the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. So we got to understand that this beast that he's explaining, he said is not. So the beast was, oh, you know, but it is coming back. So this is a blast from the past. So when they talk about mystery Babylon, we understand that that's the birthplace of this harlot. Mm -hmm. You know, And we're going to prove this in more ways than one. But everything today that is not of God has come straight out of Babylon. If Cain didn't do it, Babylon surely did. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this is where we can even understand when people are talking about uh, feminism? Feminism began in Babylon. Homosexuality? Well, probably began a little before then, but Babylon definitely promoted. Yeah. False religion? Came straight out of Babylon. Abortion? Straight out of Babylon. How do I know this? Because the god Moloch that people worship is another name for Nimrod. Yep. It's another name for Baal. So as you can see, it's the birthplace of so many things. But we're going to get into why this Babylon thing is so important. So he said that this nation, so he said that this this beast would come out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Now I know that that is the Antichrist and what we're talking about is a new world order. This is why you got homosexuality promoted. This is why they're trying to get rid of the cash in this world. Mm -hmm. This is why... People are calling good evil and evil good. This is the mixing and confusion of this harlot that we are experiencing now. And see, people don't know which way is up. Now they're compromising their values. And the Bible said, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. How you are standing for the rights of killing your children because of the fact that you feel that, you know, it's not murder. Because some lying scientist or doctor told you that man it's murder if it can live and it can grow then it is alive and if you stop the life then you have killed it you see so that's a murdering spirit this is that whore like you Mm -hmm. mentioned drunk with the blood of the saints and with the martyrs of jesus so then he says those names who are not written in the book of life Those who are not Christian, those who are not pursuing Jesus, those who don't know the truth, these people are going to be in bed with this harlot. They're going to think that this harlot is absolutely right, but they don't understand that they have drinking from that cup. That's the problem. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. What are mountains another name for? Kingdoms Kingdoms or, or empires. Okay. So this woman sits on seven empires on which the woman sitteth, and there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not. Yet come, and when he cometh, he must continue for a short space. So what do we understand about these seven kingdoms? Now, if this whore is named Babylon, it's important that we understand this, Then, after Babylon, every other country or every other um, powerful nation had to carry that Babylonian nature. It had to carry that Babylonian religion or Babylonian way of life. So one, we can start off with Babylon. We can start with Babel, you know. Number two would be Egypt. Number three would be Assyria or Assyria and Egypt, either one. Those are three. Number four would be Greece, you know, uh, or Babylon. Remember, it came back. And then there's Greece and Rome. Okay? And you had Persia. That was there. So that would symbol seven. But see, when it talks about coming back, or it's of the eighth, then Babylon will return. This is why you got a lot of trouble in the Middle East. But I believe that Rome itself is going to be the last anchor in carrying the beast, the iron and miry clay. So we understand that we're talking about a revised Roman Empire, and where the Romans get so much credit for their influence and what they've done, Romans go straight back to Babylon with everything that they believe. Okay? Today, in Babylon they called him Nimrod you know, and in and, and, uh, and, uh, Rome they called him Jupiter. Okay? In Greece they called him Zeus. They called him Osiris in, e- in Egypt. Okay? So these things just go on and on and they carry on. But Rome just is, is just the last member of a long line of Babylonian influence. So I just wanted to bring that point. So it says, and here is the mind. Oh, I read that part. So it says that this, um, and there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. So we know that this is the Antichrist. This is an Antichrist system that is married to this harlot. Mm -hmm. And the beast that was is not, and even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. So what are we talking about? What some people say a revised Roman Empire, you can even say a revised Babylonian Empire. It began with Babylon. This thing is still called Babylon, and it's definitely a lot of mixing and confusion involved. So this is the return of Babylon. It might be Rome in terms of civilization and appearance, but it is Babylonian in nature. So then he says, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. So there are ten kings that are going to be a part of this Babylonian system, and they have no kingdom as of yet. The Antichrist will have these men in reserve, but when the time comes, he is going to place them in the world where he wants them to be. And this is what you're seeing. See, a lot of people want to talk about Gaddafi and and all the bad stuff that he did. But, you know, Gaddafi felt for people. He was actually trying to build, and I'm not for any Muslim activity, but one thing I'm understanding about him, he was trying to build a system that was outside of this new world order. So what did they do? They defamed him, they vilified him, and eventually murdered him. They wanted him off the scene. They wanted to get rid of him. But Gaddafi, he feared, he came for people. When you see things like Osama bin Laden gone, when you hear of Saddam Hussein moved out, when you hear of certain presidents and generals being defamed and moved out of the way, this beast is setting up its system for those who will play ball and those who won't. Yep. Anyway, so it says in verse 13 these have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast these shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them for he is lord of lords and king of kings and they that are with him are called chosen and faithful so we can start out with It talks about these having one mind and this is what people got to understand about the dangers of your education system how they indoctrinate you and they tell you so many things that are contrary to god because they're trying to get you on board with this system how the devil is using the internet which is i think you know in some ways it's kind of good for the christian where you can go and google languages and things like that that you might preach the gospel Mm -hmm. but you see the devil is also using it to bring everyone on one accord you know but he is he is promoting the mind of anti-christ anti-jesus that everybody will fall on one accord. The only reason I'm going into this right now, because this isn't the whole subject, but is to give people the understanding of what this whore is riding. Yeah. These are the kings that have fornicated with this harlot, okay? This is the mind that you get outside of the will of God. This is a harlot system. So it says, they shall make war with the lamb. Who is lamb? The lamb, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. So if you're not called, then that means that you're a part of this system. Mm -hmm. If you're not chosen, that means you are still fornicating with this harlot. And if you are faithful, then you are not faithful to this world system. Okay, so those are the only people that Jesus is interested in. The called the chosen and the faithful those are the ones that walk with christ and he saith unto me the waters which thou sawest where the horse sitteth are peoples multitudes nations and tongues so wherever all multitudes are all people in their walks of life all nations that are of the world and all languages Are going to be in line with this harlot Mm -hmm. this is the new world order this is why they can call United Nations and you can have people from other beliefs and countries get together on one accord and discuss how much they hate Jesus what they plan to do to the Christian how much killing they plan to do how much they plan to use the medical world to destroy people's minds to get them more beast-like and on one accord so it's important that we understand this also this is why you got Rick Warren, who is a false prophet, walking around trying to tell people about Kreslam. Okay, see, you can add, they call him I lie, you call him this, they call him that, but it's all the same God. Talking about Muslims are going to heaven. Talking about you can pray to Mary and be okay. Talking about you believe the Holy Ghost is just a force and nothing more, and Jesus is Michael the Archangel. You see, they're trying. One thing I've learned about all false religions. They all demean the name and deity of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. If you want to spot them, I don't care if they're calling themselves Christians. When you hear Jesus and Lucifer are brothers from the Mormons, and you hear Jesus is Michael the archangel from the Jehovah Witnesses, and you can pray to Mary, and she is the mother, mother God, the mother of God, so Jesus Christ has to defer to her. All these things are the the drunk, I mean the, the, uh, wine of the fornication of the harlot. Why? Because it feeds the nature of the beast one way or another. The devil hates Jesus and, and all they want to do is push him down. Yep. So verse 16. So, you know, that's why they're trying to bring Buddhism, Hinduism, all these things together mm-hmm. on one accord, one mind, one spirit against Jesus Christ. And the ten horns which thou sawest Upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Okay, so some people say, well, the, the harlot has an end here. The whore is not going to make it to the end. Well, why is anybody surprised? Because you see, the false religious system that everybody's getting into, that everybody wants to bring everyone on one accord and it doesn't matter what God you serve, that is just the tool that the devil is using to bring everybody in. Mm -hmm. Once everybody has taken their allegiance away from Jesus Christ, now it's time to play ball. And if you think that this self-loving, selfish, detestable, disgusting dragon, sex serpent, beast, whatever you want to call him, is going to allow you to reign with him, you better think again. When he is done with the harlot, he uses her and he throws her away. But Jesus Christ intends to reign with his harlot. That's the big difference between the whore and between uh, between the bride. The bride is called chosen and faithful.
1: Exactly.
2: The harlot is faithful to no man at all. Okay, so, so he says he shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So when they're through with false religion, they're going to throw false religion away. Mm-hmm. And they're going to turn everybody back to Satan. Okay? Verse 17, for God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. So when it says God put it in their hearts, God is not on board with this, but God recognizes you don't want me, then I'm going to leave you to your devices. So when it says he put it in their hearts, he's allowing them to do this. Why? Because they don't want Jesus Christ anyway. And so, you know, the Lord is like, okay, well, since I'm calling out to you and you don't want me, let's just make it easy. You choose a side, I'm on this side, and whatever side you're on determines whether you'll be saved or you'll be annihilated. That's up to you. But it makes clear that this system is against Jesus Christ. Amen. And, you know, that's why the Bible says when they say Harden's heart was Pharaoh, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, it's because, you know, exposure to God will do one or two things to you. You'll either melt like butter and you'll fall in line with the Lord and understand his truth, his righteousness, and his holiness. Or you'll be turned unto the, you know, you'll get hard like clay when heat is applied to you and you won't want God. Verse 18, And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So as we can understand the word for city, let's look it up because city has several meanings. Okay, I just want to make this clear.
0: No, I mean, it's really good that this is being brought up because everyone needs to get an, an understanding that, um, you know, when it talks about the whore of Babylon, it's, it's not just, like you were saying earlier, it's not just a woman, and everything has got to be taken into consideration, and that's why when people get caught up into politics, I mean, here's something that's been a slow change that no one's really thought about. And it's the military uniforms, Mm -hmm. they're all going to one color. Mm -hmm. Every single branch is going to one, their their uniform is not technically the same, but the color is. Mm -hmm. So why is it that for all these years, Army, Navy, Marines, uh, Air Force, all been different colored uniforms and now everyone's the same?
2: Exactly. So you know, when you look at this and it's talking about city, the word is polis a city and it says one's native city a city in which one lives and heavenly jerusalem the heavenly jerusalem the abode of the blessed of heaven of the visible capital in the heavenly kingdom to come down to earth after the renovation of the world by fire the inhabitants of the city so when it talks about this it's also speaking of not just a city itself but a civilization like a like a um an establishment you know, that goes against God. Mm-hmm. So when it talks about great city, I believe it will be a literal city, but that city will be worldwide. Yeah. He said the horse sits on many waters. Who is Babylon? It talks about, now how can a city sit on many waters? So what are we talking about? Not a city, an empire. An empire. Okay, so we got to understand what this whole thing is about. And that's why I'm encouraging people to go look at the um, 10 region world map because what you're going to see in it is how all seven empires come together in this world that are going to be ruled by 10 kings look up the club of rome uh, world uh, map i think it's the 10 region world map yeah all right so let's get into this let's get into breaking down this harlot and then we're going to move on so it says uh, let's go to exodus uh, 39 exodus 39 and we're going to begin at verse 1 we're going to talk about this horse, purple and scarlet color. Now, notice it was even a woman and not a man. Yep. So what did that tell you? That the world will be ruled by women in the future. Why? Because when God got, you know, when the devil approached Eve, he went over Adam. There was the dominion. You know, the devil was trying to tilt it right then and there. Exactly. The devil wants a system of matriarchy, not, not you know, uh, patriarchy. Alright, this is Exodus 39, now this is when, we're going to start at verse 1, but the Lord is telling Aaron and the high priest how they should be dressed, and it says, and of the blue and purple and scarlet they made clothes um, of service to do service in the holy place, and made the holy garments of Aaron as the Lord commanded Moses. So as you can already see, there's purple and scarlet coloring. So this is how God wants his priest to be dressed, to be holy unto him. And as you can see, this whore is an imitator. You're going to find out the whore is imitating more than that. So then it says, uh, verse 2, And he made an ephod which is like a robe, of gold, blue and purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen, and they did beat the gold into thin plates and cut it into wires <coughs> to work in it. I mean to work it in the blue and the purple and in the scarlet and in the fine linen and cunning work. They they make shoulder pieces uh, for it to couple it together by the two edges. Uh, was it coupled together? And the curious girdle of his ephod um, that was upon it was in the same, according to the work thereof, of gold, blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen as the purple I mean as the Lord commanded Moses, so as you can see, there's a lot of things that were supposed to be here to show what a priest was supposed to look like. Look at verse six, and they wrought onyx stones enclosed in ouches uh, of gold, I guess that means ounces or something ouches of gold. Uh, graven as a uh, signets or graven with the names of the children of Israel so as you can see this is another comparison to this whore when it says that she had pearls, gold and precious stones you see how she's looking a lot like it but this, way, these stones were for the 12 tribes of Israel so the harlot stones are going to be representing Satan's kingdom mm-hmm. and what he wants so then it says and he put them on the shoulders of the ephod that they should be made that they should be stones for a memorial to the children of israel as the lord commanded moses and he made the breastplate of cunning work like the work of the ephod let's continue uh, of gold blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen and was four square Uh, they made the breastplate double A span was the length thereof, and a span was the breadth thereof, being doubled. And they set it in four rows of stones. The first row was the sardius, a topaz, and the carbuncle. This was the first row. In the second row, an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. In the third row, a ligure, uh, and a gate, and an amethyst. In the fourth row, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper. Uh, They were enclosed in ouches of uh, gold in their enclosings. And the stones were, according to the names of the children of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, uh, every one with his name according to the twelve tribes. And they made upon the breastplate chains at the end and wreath wreath work of uh, pure gold. And they made two ouches of gold and two rings, and two golden rings, or gold rings, and put the two rings in the two ends of the breastplate. And they put the two wreaths, chains of gold, in the two rings of the ends of the breastplate. So as you can see, their stones are to represent the 12 tribes of Israel and to do the things that the Lord um, wanted them to do. So the harlot would naturally have hers for the kings of the earth. They have 10 kings. That's what's so funny. Seven heads and 10 horns. So hers would be representation of the world and not after Christ. All right. So I want to dip down to verse 26 just to make the point. And it says, a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate round about the hem of the robe to minister in, and the Lord commanded Moses, and they have and they make coats of fine linen of woven work of Aaron and for his sons and a mitre of fine linen and goodly bonnets and of fine linen and linen breeches of of fine twined linen so as we can understand here it's talking about that there would be a mitre that this guy would that the high priest would have to wear and this is what I'm trying to tell people today and how this is comparison how the devil cannot create. He can only um, mimic, he can only imitate. Well, the Pope's mitre has been traced back to Dagon, which is the god of the Philistines, which is another name for Baal. I I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Dagon's another name for Nimrod, but he's supposed to be the father of Baal. So um, Dagon was a fish god. And if you look at the Pope's mitre, He has a fish-like cap on his head. So as you can see, this is another example of how the influence of Babylon or Dagon has come upon the people of Rome, you know? And it's not just the Roman people. There's anybody who is involved in Catholicism, a part of this war, which represents false religion. And if you look at a lot of the Catholic Church and you look at the way that their cardinals and their bishops and their archbishops are dressed, They are dressed in purple and scarlet colors. All right, so I just want to make this point. Don't turn it off yet. Let's hear the rest. Look at verse 29. And a girdle of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet of needlework and the Lord commanded Moses and they made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote upon it a writing like to the engravings of the signet holiness to the Lord. Now look at this. You've got everything they're talking about, gold and purple and scarlet. They talk about how this whore is dressed. And then you're looking at how God's priests are dressed, that they would have a crown of pure gold, okay, that would have no impurities in it. Think about that. And then it says what's engraving on it is in bold letters like, like the whore head mystery. Mm-hmm babylon the great the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth and then you have here holiness to the lord so what are we looking at here the mind of christ and the mind of antichrist an antichrist spirit is a self-loving spirit it's selfish it only cares about it and then it's it's man not being in the potential of having the spirit of god it is man behaving like a beast okay but then you have here holiness unto the Lord. So what is the mind of Christ? What is the mind of God? Holiness unto the Lord. This is God's seal. Okay. The other one is the seal of the beast. Yeah. So it's so interesting how these tie together and they tied unto it a lace of blue to fasten it on and high, um, high upon the mitre and the Lord commanded Moses. So not only did they were they dressed in purple and scarlet, and, and thank the Lord, I got to talk to my brother Brian yesterday. Remember we were meeting together, yeah. and he brought up the fact that although the harlot is dressed in purple and scarlet, and you have the, um, you have the, the um, high priest of Moses also dressed in purple and scarlet, and they both have precious stones, they both have gold and everything else. But the the one part that my brother brought up was that the blue let's let's read it and it says Um after this uh they tied a lace of blue. Thus was all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation finished, and the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so they did. So um it talks about this blue and, and this blue uh what what do you call it? like a string or something of blue that was given to them but it was for obedience unto the Lord Mm -hmm. so as you can see the harlot wouldn't have this blue uh, string on it or this this blue lace tied to it because the harlot is loyal to nobody especially not to Christ what do you got
0: back in verse 5 is where it mentions
2: okay well verse 5 if you go back to Exodus 39 and 5 it makes clear what this blue is for and a curious girdle of an ephod. That was upon it was of the same according to the work thereof of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen. So, where does it talk about the um,
1: um,
2: it, it mentions also that it had the blue tie to it, but that blue is to represent you can look oh, for Oh, yeah, it.
0: verse 7 here. Oh, verse and
2: 7. Okay,
1: go ahead.
0: Put them on the shoulders of the ephah that they should by be stones for a memorial of the children of Israel as the Lord commanded Moses. So the scarlet colored beast is not going to have the name of Jesus on her. She's going to have the name of Satan, but that's what it represented.
2: No, absolutely. Absolutely. So that blue um, lace was to to, um, speak of obedience unto Mm -hmm. the Lord. I actually want to find where it's actually written. So if you can look for that, that's fine. I'm just going to move forward with this. But... You know that's what the blue lace was for you know so that way we would be righteous oh here it is this is verse 21 and it says um, I'm sorry guys It's Exodus 39 and 21 and they did bind the breastplate by his rings unto the rings of an ether with a lace of blue that it might be above the curious girdle of the ether and that the breastplate might not be loosed from the ether as the Lord commanded Moses So as we can understand, this blue is for the um, righteousness of God. So what is the breastplate called when Paul talks about the breastplate of what? Righteousness. Righteousness. So that blue lace represents the righteousness. So the whore had the red and the whore had the purple, but the whore did not have the righteousness of God. So what is Satan? He can only mimic the Lord. He can only imitate the Lord, but he can't be righteous. So you see a lot of people are falling into false religion today because they're going onto things that make them feel good they're going to pseudo-righteousness. And this is why when you talk to churches about having Christ formed in you, that Jesus Christ may do the work, people look at you strange. People don't want to know the Lord. They just want to be religious and righteous by their own standards. But the only true way you or I would be righteous is if Jesus Christ lived in you. Outside of that, you don't have God's righteousness That's what sanctification is all about. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take it a little bit further, but I just wanted to make the comparison to the whore of Babylon, how she was dressed, and how God's high priest in the Old Testament were dressed. And we're going to bring this into the new because the harlot tried to do something else here. So let's go to Matthew 27, and we'll start at verse 27. When I found this out, man, this threw me off. I was like, man, unbelievable. 27 yeah matthew 27 okay. and verse 27 we're going to start at
0: okay.
2: all right so this is matthew 27 and 27 and it says then the soldiers of the governor took jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him a whole band of soldiers and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe and when they had uh, plaited a crown of thorns they put it upon his head and a reed in his, in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. So as we can see, that scarlet robe represented sin that they tried to throw on Jesus only to mock him and to call him Hail, King of the Jews, instead of a crown of gold of Mm -hmm. pure gold they put a crown of thorns on jesus's head so what do the thorns represent sin okay the thorns represent sin remember when he said thorns and thistles um will not a good tree bring forward so they put this on the head of jesus to mock him but jesus had to take all these things to the cross so they put him in scarlet and did this to him symbology to try and mock him Mm -hmm. but this is the devil's thoughts towards jesus or anybody representing christ exactly all right so let's move on i wanted to make that point i think that i've made it um actually verse 30 and they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head and after that they had mocked him They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. All right, so now we're going to go, because I want to make this comparison with the scarlet robe. Let's go to John 19, and we'll begin at verse 1. John 19 and 1. The Lord showed me this. I thought I was reading something like... Like, man, is there a contradiction? Oh, no, there's no contradiction. All right, so this is John 19. We'll begin at verse 1. And it says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put uh, it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. So somebody was saying, hey, What does it mean, put on a purple robe? It said in the last thing that it was a scarlet robe. So would somebody say here, are they lying about this or is there a contradiction? Oh, no. He had both on him. He had purple and scarlet. So as you can see, Jesus came to not just crucify Adam and the old man. He came to crucify the very whore itself. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? He came to take the whore to the cross that purple and scarlet color. He came to be crucified. And so then it says, And said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him uh, with their hands. Pilate therefore went, but when, uh, went forth again and saith unto him, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Uh, then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe And Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. So as you can see, Jesus became a spectacle for the people. He had this crown of thorns. He's wearing a purple robe and he's about, he's being mocked. He's being ridiculed, but he's also being crucified. And this is why in many cases, unless we carry our cross as Jesus Christ commanded us, we will some ways or one way or another play the harlot. Yeah. You see, they tried to mock Jesus as a type of harlot here. But if you notice, they put this on him to make fun of him. He came to crucify it. But you're a harlot one way or another if you don't carry your cross and die out to self that Jesus Christ may live in you. Because yep. what did Adam want? Adam wanted Eve. Adam wasn't even concerned with the authority that God gave him. He let his his wife rule the show and he went according to what she was about and not according to the voice of the Lord. When the Bible says Because thou hast disobeyed the Lord and hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, it gives us more understanding about this harlot. Jesus is a man here being crucified, wearing the purple and scarlet. The harlot is a woman. Satan's kingdom is matriarchal. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's telling you where these people are in. They're not into the man. Pilate, it's funny. after they put the robe and thorns on him. Pilate said, behold the man. What does Revelation 17 say? There was a woman sitting on the scarlet colored beast. So what are we looking at again? Another upside down Kenya. Yeah. You see the ways of the harlot versus the ways of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So then it says, when the chief priest, therefore, uh, therefore, uh, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law and by our law, he ought to die because he had, he made himself the son of God. So this gives us even more understanding. This is this harlot that is already crucifying Jesus Christ. It said the reason why we want to get rid of him is because there is a law and that, that we, that he should die. But most importantly, he calls himself the son of God. And you look at every false religion that is a part of this harlot. They hate to hear these words. They don't want to acknowledge him as the son of God. They want to, they'll they call him the brother of Lucifer. The Jehovah's Witnesses call him the son of God, but they also want to make clear, whoa, son of God doesn't mean, you know, Jesus, um, God. Jesus is also God. No, this means he is Michael, the archangel, an angel. So, you see, an angel can't be God. That's why they're stressing that so much. They don't want Jesus Christ in his rightful place as also deity because he is one with the Father. That's right. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. This is what they fight against. So, that's why they wanted to kill him. Verse 8: When Pilate therefore heard the saying, he was um, the more afraid. Well, why was Pilate afraid? Because Pilate is recognizing, although I find this man innocent, I myself am linked to this whore. This whore will kill anything that is of the martyrs or or witnesses of this Jesus. So you see, even though he was a governor with power, he also knew, hey, Caesar tells me what to do too. All these guys got to do is come with a complaint and I'm on the line. So you see how Jesus had no affiliation to anything because even Pilate wanted to defend an innocent man. He was still scared. I don't want anything to do with this. So then it says, And went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given from above. Uh, Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And he's making clear that as far as he never came to defend himself, he came to be crucified. He was not going to defend his innocence, although he was an innocent man. And that's what we've got to understand is Mm -hmm. that Jesus Christ was not like this harlot. This harlot was getting along while the getting was good. This harlot enticed kings, did everything, went against God. But Jesus Christ said, man, I'm not coming to be held up by a beast. I'm coming to to be crucified that I might destroy this beast. So he came for a different point. The harlot loves the world. The harlot is riding the beast and partying hard and enjoying whatever power she can have with the kings of the earth. Jesus Christ is standing before kings, letting them know you've got no power over me Mm -hmm. and I'm not defending myself. I'm here to die that I might destroy the works of the devil. The harlot goes for a ride. Jesus Christ comes against it, stands in front of it. Okay, that he might destroy the works of it. That's the difference between a harlot and Christ. So let's move on. We're going to get deeper into this, guys. So don't, you know, stay tuned. So um, we're going to look at, too, what this golden cup is. Because the Bible talks a lot about the golden cup. All right, when it says that this harlot had a golden cup in her hand, we got to make some clarity on what this is. So let's go to Jeremiah 51. And we're going to talk about a society, a society that is against God. It's important that we understand this because what is an harlot? That which is unfaithful, that which is against God. So we're going to read about that which is against God. So this is Jeremiah 51. We are going to begin at verse 1. You're going to see a harlot playing her game right now. Mm-hmm. So it says, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up again Babylon and against them that dwell in the midst of them that rise up against me and destroying a destroying wind. And I will send unto Babylon fanners uh, that shall fan her and shall empty her her land for in the day of trouble they shall be against her round about. Against him that bendeth, let the archer bend his bow and against him that lifteth um, himself up in the, brigand, in the brigand line, I guess that's a, brig, oh, a brigandine, sorry, and spare ye not your young men, destroy ye utterly all her host. Thus the slain shall fall in the land of the Chaldeans, and they that are thrust through in her streets. Notice how it keeps referring to her, it keeps talking about her, it talks about the Chaldeans. Now you remember the Chaldeans came right out of Babylon. Now, the area, this is what's so interesting about the area of Babylon is many people believe, and you got scientists today that will say, and according to what the Bible expresses about it, that that area um, where Babylon is today, which is modern day Iraq, which they later called Mesopotamia, was the place of the Garden of Eden. It's important that we understand that between the Tigris and the Euphrates River, now, what we got to understand, too, is that Nimrod built his kingdom here also. Okay, so let's hold where we are real quick. I want to make the point. And uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 11. I want to make this point concerning you. Let's go to Genesis 11, and we'll come right back to Jeremiah 51. So, you see, the devil even mimicked where God decided to build man up mm-hmm. or for man to begin the devil had his own plan to come there and defile it. Yep. So he's talking about the land of the Chaldeans. There's a long history concerning Babylon. All right. This is Genesis 11. We'll start at verse 1. Now, these words are going to sound so similar to what we read in Revelation 17. There's a reason for that. Verse. Um, this is Genesis 11 and 1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. So what is another word for Shinar? Babylon. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. Or had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth so as you can see you hear the language of the antichrist mm-hmm. let us and they wanted to build their own tower into heaven yep. not to pursue the lord and remember the whole earth is of one language and of one speech so it says and the lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of of men build it and the Lord said behold the people is one and they all have one language and this they begin to do and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do so he says go to let us go down there and confound their languages that they may not understand one another's speech so the Lord is making clear they came to build this tower They, in the book of Joshua really goes into detail. They came to fight against God, try and dethrone God in this same plain of Shinar. I encourage anybody to go to uh, Google what ancient Shinar was like and you'll find it's right in Babylon and not far, maybe a few hundred miles from where the Garden of Eden was supposed to be in the Bible. So it says in verse 8, so the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the whole earth and they let off they left off to build the city therefore the name of it was called babel because the lord did there confound the language of all the earth and from thence did the lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the whole earth so what does babel mean confusion Mm -hmm. so it's important that we understand this now we can go back But that's where we get the word Babylon. It means by mixing or confusion. So what did God do? He scattered them from it because they were fighting against him. So what is the harlot doing today? She's riding upon many waters trying to bring it back together to fight against Mm -hmm. the Lord again. Most people will not fight for the devil. So you bring this whore into the midst that they might be enticed. To fight against the Lord. Exactly. That's all this is. So we'll go back to Jeremiah 51. And I believe I stopped at verse... Uh, let's see. I think I stopped at verse 3. Yeah. So it says... Or I think it's verse 4. So then it says, Thus the slain shall fall in the land of the Chaldeans, and they that are thrust through in her streets. Notice it's referring to Babylon as in her. For Israel have not, have not been forsaken, nor Judah of his God. And the Lord of hosts, though their lamb was filled with sin against the Holy One of God, flee out of the midst of Babylon. So he's saying, don't be a part of this harlot and deliver every man his soul. Be not cut off in her iniquity. Notice it keeps referring to Babylon as in her. Mm -hmm. Don't be a part of her iniquity. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will render unto her a recompense. Now, you know, this had to happen several times. There was one time with Nebuchadnezzar. And then there will be in the future, which we're going to go into in a little while. But this is like a dual prophecy. It's speaking of both things. Remember, Jeremiah was sent to tell the people of Israel, God, stop the sin. Stop doing the things that you're doing that they learned from Babel Mm -hmm. that was brought forward. But then he said that they would be taken over by Babylon if they did not obey. What happened? They were taken over by Babylon. So this is Jeremiah trying to tell the people to, you know, stop what you're doing. Verse 7, Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken and nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore, the nations are mad. The nations are crazy because they've drunken of the wine of this harlot. Now, some people can say, well, how can it be Babylon if you had Nebuchadnezzar? Again, that's why we went to Genesis 11 to show you that Babylon was once called Babel. From there, when those people separated after God um, destroyed the tower and confounded their languages, they didn't change. They were the same people going all all the way they could all over the earth with Nimrod's doctrine. Mm -hmm. They all had the doctrine of Babel or Babylon even after God separated them. Yep. All right, so then it makes clear here, and it says, "Um, so the people are mad because they're drinking of the wine of this harlot. Then it says, "Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. How for her, take balm for her pain, if so be, she may be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her, and let us go every one into his own country for her judgment reacheth unto heaven." and is lifted up even to the skies. So as you can see, Babylon was a spirit. Babylon first wanted to build a physical tower whose top may reach into heaven that they can fight against the Lord. Now that the spirit of Babylon lives on, what happens? The sin is once again reaching into heaven. Mm -hmm. So God is going to have to deal with it again. Yep. right and see this makes clear that even if they are of Israel if they partake of the iniquity of Babylon you are in line with it and this is what I'm trying to tell Christians today love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man loves the world the love of the father is not in him why because you're not married to God if you love the world you love the whore you love Babylon the great and she's written on your forehead instead of pursuing what God wants Mm -hmm. So then it says, And the Lord hath brought forth our righteousness. Come and let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. Make bright the arrows, gather the shields the Lord hath raised up, the spirit of the kings of the Medes, for his device is against Babylon to destroy it, because it is the vengeance of the Lord, the vengeance of his temple. Now you remember this happened in Daniel chapter 5. Remember when they tried to bring back the old gods and, you know, Babylon didn't. Nebuchadnezzar had learned, God is who put me here. So I'm going to reverence him and not, you know, the whole Babylonian way of being a beast. Right. So when he died, his grandson, Belshazzar, thought, well, you know, time to party with the harlot again. Bring out all the old idols, get all this stuff going, and before you know it, There was a hand written on the wall saying, you know what? I've weighed you. I've measured you. Your time has come. You will be taken out by the Persians. Yep. Mene, mene, many (laughs) tico, That's scary, right? (laughs) They even see that written out there. (laughs) So um, verse 12, set up the standard upon the walls of Babylon. Make the watch strong. Set up the watchmen. Prepare the ambushes for the Lord. Have both devised and done that which he spake against the inhabitants of Babylon. O thou that dwellest upon many waters. See, we're talking about the same harlot, abundant in treasures. So, you know, this harlot is going to be rich. This harlot seems to have all the things. What did the devil tell Jesus? He tried to offer Jesus Babylon the great. All these kingdoms have I got. In a moment in time. And you can have any one of them. And I can give them to whomsoever I will. Mm-hmm. This is the same thing that we're talking about. Yep. The Lord of hosts. Hath sworn by himself saying. Surely I will fill thee with men. And and with caterpillars. And they shall lift up and shout against thee. Anytime you hear caterpillars. You know they're talking about demons. Okay. That's another form of demons. He hath made the earth. By his power, he hath established the world by his wisdom and hath stretched out the heavens by his understanding. Um, When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth that maketh lightning with rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. So this is a God that you want to know. Man, when he can do all of this, he's even telling you how it rains, how the dew comes up from the earth. God understands all things. But look at 17. Every man is brutish like a beast. By his knowledge, every founder is confounded by the graven image. For his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. So what is he saying? Stop paying attention to these dumb idols. That's what God is trying to tell you. What are the pearls around Babylon's neck? Dumb idols. Mm-hmm. What about the golden cup that is in Babylon's hand? What does she feed you? What does she give you to drink? She gives you the world. She gives you the flesh. She gives you the devil. She gives you those things that entice you in the, in the flesh so that you will never have the spirit. So you see by man's, excuse me, by man's own understanding, you see he's unto the grave and images unto the idols. What does God call them? Brutish. They're beast-like. So this is what Babylon does. And he says, and there is no breath in them. And you know what? If you pay attention to these demons, there is no breath in you either. If you pay attention to these idols, you cannot have the spirit. So this is what he's talking about. Yes, the idols are dumb, and they have no God, and they have no spirit. But later you understand that these demons don't have, I mean, um, what's that?
1: People
2: next door. Oh, okay. So anyway, they have no, um, you can't have the spirit if you are an adulterer or adulteress that goes against God. Exactly. Okay. So he says, look at verse 18. They are vanity, the work of errors. In the time of their visitation, they shall perish. So God is making it clear. Stay away from Babylon, stay away from the whore, reverence the Lord, so you can have God's spirit and not the spirit of dumb idols. Not this Babylon. She yep. is vanity. What does the Bible describe vanity as? A breath, a vapor. And see, yep. this is why they come out with cards of 2017 this, and they put it on the market, and you got a TV showing, man, these are the latest clothes. You get to see Beyonce and Jay-Z on stage, dressed to the hill. That's all whoredom. That's all vanity. Jesus said, what is it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? And many of these people are confused and in bed with the harlot, but don't have God. Mm -hmm. It ain't worth it. And what do most of them end up being done, assassinated, murdered, or dying of drugs or or losing their minds? It just ain't worth it. Because we understand that the devil is going to hate the whore. And that's all these people are doing is associating themselves with. With the whore. So now we're going to get into the heart of God a little bit, and then we're going to get back into this whore and finish this thing off. So it says, after they brought up the golden cup that was of Babylon, let's go to Matthew 26 and let's start at verse 27. All right, Matthew 26 and 27, and it says, Now, remember, this is the last supper between Jesus and the the Lord's Supper with his disciples. So he said, uh, look at verse 26. and, um, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink, uh, drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So Jesus was communing with them and he also had a cup. He told them all to drink because of why? This is for the remission of sins. This is his shed blood Mm -hmm. for the remission of sin. So that is to cleanse and to make us righteous before God and to be one with Jesus. That's why they refer to it as communion, that we might be in one with Jesus. Well, if you go back to Revelation 17, this harlot, they said that the kings and the princes of the earth... And rulers will be drunk with the wine of the fornication of the harlot, mm-hmm. so when Jesus tries to bring his people on one accord, this harlot is a false representation of unity that turns everyone against Christ. so I just wanted to bring that point let's go to um let's go to matthew uh well we're on matthew twenty six let's just skip down to thirty nine okay. look at this matthew twenty six and verse thirty nine and it says and he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be co- possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but th- but as thou wilt. And he come unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, that ye enter not into temptation, and that the Spirit... I mean, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed and said, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. So we've got to understand if the harlot has a cup that people drink from that are automatically rebellious and are of one mind with this harlot that'll go against God, they're drunken, with the wine of her fornication, and mm-hmm. what does it call it? Filthiness and abominations that they're a part of. Yep. Now Jesus himself had to drink from a cup even after he offered the disciples, only that they might do the righteous works of Jesus. So what does Jesus have to do now? He's got to drink from a cup. So you know it's not a physical cup, even though it was, you know, it's symbolic. But he drank from a cup. He had to drink from a cup. That he might obey the father and that's why jesus said later in revelation 17 for all that are of me are called and chosen and faithful so what was jesus he was definitely called he was definitely chosen but now he would be faithful to the call that he had for his father as we are to be faithful but the only way that we can do that we cannot drink from the cup of the harlot we have to stay in line with the will of god That's what that cup is. You're either being sustained by one or you're being sustained by the other. Okay, so I want to make this point even clearer. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll begin in verse 1. It says... Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank and that of that spiritual rock, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Mm-hmm. So, as you can see, while they were in the wilderness, they were being sustained of Jesus. Verse 5: But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So, who's in the wilderness? Where was John taken? In
1: the wilderness.
2: Taken up, he was led into the wilderness mm-hmm. to see what? A woman sitting upon a scarlet colored beast so as you can see this woman was in the wilderness even back then that wilderness is in your soul and that's why the high priest had to go in once a year into the holy place to make the sacrifice in the soul in the inner court to be able to go into the most holy place to be with the Lord or to offer that sacrifice well, it's just
0: like when Jesus Christ was led into the wilderness by the Holy, the That's Holy right. Ghost, who was out there in the wilderness. Waiting for
2: him. <laughs> Tempted of the devil. Great point. Exactly. Great point. When he went out into the wilderness <laughs> to make the sacrifice, he was met with resistance. Just like the children of Israel and just like John saw, where was this harlot? Yeah. In the wilderness. The,
0: the, Satan and his harlot are going to do everything to us in the wilderness to get us to try and go back into the wilderness
2: is representation for religion it is also representative of um, the soul Mm -hmm. okay what is the soul the mind the will and the emotions now how often does the lord tell us we need the mind of christ we need the emotions of christ we need christ living in us to govern us Mm -hmm. so you see if we're not led by the spirit we're led by the harlot but we're going to find where these people are getting into so much trouble So it says, now these things were our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So what does a harlot do? Make you lust after her. But as you can see, some did and some did not. Mm -hmm. Neither be ye idolaters as, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Who were they playing with? The harlot. Who did they drink with? The The, the harlot's cup. And you know, all the other stuff. Verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication. Now why is he bringing that up after speaking of this wilderness? What did they say? The the kings of the earth and all those that were not of God were drunk with the wine of the fornication of the harlot. As some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmured ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. So as we understand that these people were committing fornication, they were destroyed. These are people that were tempting or, or trying to go back to their old lives and were destroyed of serpents. So that's backsliding. And these people murmured and complained about God's goodness Mm -hmm. and trying to find fault with it, that they were destroyed of who? Satan. Satan, Verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, examples, and they are written for our admonition, our warning upon whom the ends of the earth are come. And as we're going to see, they are coming. Mm -hmm. Verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh, he standeth, Take heed lest he fall. And this is why the churches are such a dangerous place because a lot of people think they already got it and they don't. A lot of people think they're already righteous, already serving the Lord, and they are not. So we've got to understand what this cup is about. We're going to go even further. But then he says, "Um, take heed, man. Pay attention. This harlot is slick. You can think you're serving the Lord and then you wake up in bed with the harlot yep. thinking you were serving the Lord the whole time. Verse 13, there have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't have to fall into sin and get caught up in things. God always gives you a means of escape. But if you want the harlot, that's who you end up with. Exactly. You know, this is who you end up walking with and hanging out with. God can't make you want him. He can only tell you what the harlot is about. Yep. You know, verse 15 or 14, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessings which which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not of the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. So what is he talking about? That communion, this is what Jesus brought. His cup brought people in unity of the spirit the whore brings people in unity unto herself and against God so then it says in verse 18 behold Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar what say I then that the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything so you say what should I say should I say that this is no big deal Should I say that there is no harm in what this idolizing the world and going after things that don't profit against God? Mm -hmm. He said, but I say that the things which the Gentiles, which are the people not of God, which are the worldly people sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things uh, edify not. So some things are not even worth the time. And this is what I'm trying to tell people about us eventually being unplugged from this system. Because you see, we are drinking from the devil's cup. If all the kings of the earth are a part of the wine of the fornication of this harlot, which is Babylon the Great, which is she's drunk with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus and of the saints, then what this system has done is killed every prophet Every person, every king that was righteous in God's eyes, every disciple, every apostle, everyone that was after Jesus, this harlot killed. Now you're telling me that I can live in this system, obey the system, do everything right with this system, and I'm going to be married to God too? No. James 4 and 4 says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is the enemy of God. Therefore, if you be after Christ, or I can't remember, he said, but friendship with the world, you are the enemy of God. There is no in between. You can't sit at both tables. You can't drink from both cups. You're either a part of what God wants, or you are a part of this harlot. And that is clear. All right, let's move on. Let's go to Jeremiah 3. Let's get into the heart of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 3. We're going to get into what was written on that head. Mystery Babylon the Great. Alright. Jeremiah 3 and verse 1. Look at what the Lord... I mean, look at what Jeremiah says through the Lord. This is so important. Now that this puts more emphasis, since we're talking about this harlot, man, this chapter makes even more sense than it did before. Look at this. They say, If a man put away his wife, and she go from him, and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the,
0: what?
2: the, harlot. the harlot with many lovers, yet return again unto me, mm-hmm. saith the Lord. So we've got to understand he's talking about this harlot. This harlot has always been around. This harlot came in the form of a serpent that enticed Eve and Adam to fall. And the harlot's been there ever since. What did Samson run into? A a harlot. He went into Delilah. And you see where her loyalty was? Uh Unto those kings. Unto the Philistines to get paid. So she never liked Samson. She just wanted him clipped. And that's what this harlot will do. This harlot put out his eyes, had him down at the mill cut his hair, you know, disempowered him. So we got to understand that you can't fool around with this harlot and then get in bed with the Lord. Nope. God doesn't want in harlot. So God is telling Israel, you guys have played the harlot. And that's why we got to have some understanding on the heart of the Lord. Imagine, you know, a man or a woman, you being married, and a woman coming to you, men, and saying, you know, I want to come up front with what I've been doing. I've been, you know, fooling around with several men, even though we've been married for years. And I mean, like they were, they were doing some nasty things to me, and I liked it. And I even had more men involved with it, and I got even deeper into it. And I fell in love with every single one of these men. And I mean, everything that you can imagine in porn, these nasty men have these men have done to me. But yet, I'm trying to turn from my ways and come to you. Now, I'm talking to the men. You tell me if you would want your wife back. But see, God can take a situation like this and make it right. But I want people to understand the heart of God and what he's feeling. Mm-hmm. Nasty people using the Lord. I mean, using the bride. We've been out there whoring with every God, everything. I mean, and filth that you wouldn't even allow to come back in your home. But God is faithful, merciful, forgiving you, and wanting you to come back home. That is the heart of God. Because a lot of men, they can't imagine this. And I want to talk to women. Your husband been out there laying with every woman in sight. And even when you ask her about the situation, like, you know, or she asks you about the situation, the men will say, you know, man, um, you were good, but, man, you know, that other girl I was seeing... Man, she was good. Mm-hmm. She knew exactly how to make me feel and make me, you know, man, she was everything I felt that I want. This was in the middle of confession to your wife. But because you see, this is how when a lot of us repent and we come to the Lord and we want to be made right, we still got somewhat of a love towards this world. And God is sitting there bearing it, drinking it down, taking it, man, heartbroken again and again and again. But yet, you want God to take you home. Look at the filth that you have been involved in. But look at the heart of God that he doesn't even want to hold against you. I'm married to you. I can't do nothing about this situation except want you back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead, sir.
0: Just real quick on that is back to the harlot. And, you know, uh, you can't be married to a harlot because she's always all over the place. Well, that's exactly what Satan wants. He's gonna feed you these lies, saying, "Oh man, this is fun. And we're having a great time. Just go out and drink and uh, lay around with whoever, because it doesn't matter. You know, we're just having a good time. We're just trying to live our life and have fun. In the meantime, exactly. and but we don't understand all the damage." That that cause, all that damage that all that fun causes in our life with confusion, with uh, diseases, Mm -hmm. uh, with the person breaking Mm -hmm. your heart numerous times then eventually you become cold you start doing that to other people and and what else it can bring into your life like drugs and and just, you know a waste of life when Jesus Christ wants a bride, that's what he wants, he wants to take us from that harlot lifestyle and turn it into something that he can live with, something that is pure. And, like you just said, what if a woman or man came to you and said, Hey, this is what I've been doing this whole time, and the Lord's cleaning me up? At first, I would imagine that the individual would be like heartbroken and really having to seek the Lord. And he can bring that back together, but it gives us, like Hosea, when he had to marry the harlot. It gives us an idea, like you're saying, of what we do to Jesus Christ when we're constantly in this They're out there cheating on yeah. that.
2: You know, loving the world. And, you know, a lot of people don't think things are a big deal when it comes to this. They really do look at it like, I'm just living my life. Mm-hmm. You're cheating on your Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like you fornicating with somebody that you work with. Mm-hmm. Now, how are you going to do that and then come home to your husband? You know what your husband would tell you, man, quit that job. I don't want you working there no more after he'd already done slept with you. And I'm supposed to trust you to go back in there again. It's the same concept. It's the same mindset that we break God's heart constantly. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, he found you as a whore. He found us as whores. Mm -hmm. And wanted to make us right, fix us up, that we might be married to him through all of eternity. And what do we want to do? Jump back in the mud. Forget about the Lord. Go back to that nasty, stinking harlot that that has no love for you, that murders the people of Jesus. And see, she's guilty of more blood than just murder. She murders you. See, Satan didn't exactly kill Adam and Eve. He got them to kill themselves, but that still makes him a murderer Mm -hmm. because from there they were subject to death. Cutting off the life source of us walking with Jesus only get you fit for one place, and that is the second death. That is to die not knowing the Lord, not having the Spirit of God in you, to do the righteous works of God. Exactly. That's why, man, people will argue with me about working and all. Hey, man, let me tell you something. The way I'm seeing it, the harlot harlot runs it all. She has everything. Okay, so what are we going to do? Man, we've got to be extracted from this world to do God's will. And that's why if yeah. we're still in the world, we've got to preach the gospel where we are. We've got to be faithful to our husband.
1: That's right.
2: That's the whole point. Because if we're not faithful to him, if we're not telling people about Jesus while we work and we're not preaching the gospel, you are unfaithful. That's just like somebody asking you, um, you know, if you're married. Uh, so are you single or are you married? Uh, oh, no. Um, um, <laughs> no, I'm actually single. Now, how would that make you feel if you were able to hear your husband or wife say that? And would they come back and tell you, oh, well, that was only for a job. No, that was, no, because you got to understand, the boss likes me, but he doesn't want any married man or woman working, there, So that's why I said that. Is that going to fly with you? Mm -hmm. Man, think about it. So why are we doing it to him? Right. Oh, no, I can work there. I can be there. And I'm not telling anybody to quit their job. I'm saying be faithful to God to what he's given you. Because if you're not in bed with Christ, you're in bed with this harlot. And it's that simple. If you're not intimate with him, you're intimate with the world. If you're not in the spirit, you're in the flesh. Intimate with this harlot. Let's move on. So anyways, Jeremiah um, 3, and I believe this is verse 2. And he says, lift up thine eyes unto the high places and see where thou hast been lying there has been lying with. Notice he said high places. Now, if you look at a lot of the places where there are sacrifices made, you know, where a lot of um, false religion and occultists, they love to go up into caves and into high places and mountains to do their magic. They like to go to those high places. Even if you go to, you know, Jerusalem today or you go to um, the Middle East, And you go to the Catholic areas where the churches are, you'll see churches sitting up on high hills and they'll have groves and areas where these people would do these things. Mm -hmm. But he calls them high places, just like this harlot, living the high life. You see, going after things that don't profit, pursuing all that you can in this world, being the best you can be here instead of the kingdom of God. That is going into the high places and lying with the harlot. You want the riches. Not wrong with riches, but be faithful to God. And the ways hath thou set for them as the Arabian in the wilderness. Look at how he mentions that. And thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. Therefore, the showers have been withholden, and there hath been no latter rain. So what are we talking about? Showers withholding. Showers is always a type of Holy Ghost. The latter rain is always a type of fire baptism in the Holy Ghost Mm -hmm. that people might be full of God's spirit. So God is holding back his spirit. He's holding back the showers. He's holding back this latter rain. Why? Thou refuse, because it says, and thou hast a whore's forehead, thou refuses to be ashamed. Mm -hmm. So if you were to go back to Revelation 17 and 6, what does it say? Mystery. Babylon the great the mother of harlots and filthiness and abominations of the earth. It's the same mind It's the mind that is against Christ. A whore is unfaithful. A whore is nasty. A whore is disgusting. A whore is not holy
1: nope. A
2: whore's mind is an antichrist mind because you know what you don't want to marry Jesus You rather wallow in the mud. So what's holding back the spirit from these churches they're in bed with this harlot. Yep. They are hanging out with mystery Babylon the Great. What's wrong with America? Why the economy's falling and God's about to judge this nation? They're, They're hanging out yep. with Babylon the Great. Okay? All these things that are going on, all these false religions, God is going to judge this world because of this. Exactly. A whore's forehead. Let's hear the heart of the Lord. Will thou not from this time cry unto me, My father, thou art the guide of my youth. Say, I know you're coming back because this harlot is going to treat you like garbage. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to come running back to me after this pimp beats you up and does whatever to you. So then he says, will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to an end? Behold, thou hast spoken and done evil things as thou couldest. The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which is which backsliding Israel hath done? She is gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. So as you can see, God is always saying, I mean, they're always telling the Lord, I'm going to do right, I'm going to do what you ask. But every time he turns around looking for his bride, she's playing the harlot. And this is why we got to be extracted from this to be like Christ. Seven, and I said, after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me, but she returned not. And her treacherous sister, Judas, saw it too. So you understand that it is the, um, the the two kingdoms. There's the northern kingdom and there's the southern kingdom. All of Israel is playing the harlot yes. away from the Lord. So then, And it says that Judas, Judas saw it. So Judah saw the iniquity of um, Israel and decided to join in. They didn't change. So then it says, And I saw when when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Why? Because Judah also drank from that golden cup, Full of filthiness and abominations of the world. So then it says, and it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery uh, with stones and with stocks. Man, this is important. This speaks so loud. When you think about like stocks, when you think of the stock market, when you think of how people, that place generates the whole world. 85% of the world's economy is in the New York Stock Exchange. I know, because I used to work there. Mm -hmm. Even though it's changed into a national market system and all that, but the market is still running. And people are still, one way or another, buying a Coca-Cola, buying some new Nikes, doing whatever, Why feeding this harlot, giving her what she needs. And he said precious stones or with stones. So, you know, these people are also... They said that the harlot was dressed with precious stones, did he not? Yes. You know, so this is what men are enticed by. They want the jewelry. They want all these things that entice people, but these things are not of God. Verse 10. And yet for all of this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but faintly saith the Lord. So, you know, in and out, weakly, not turned back with her whole heart. Just in bits and pieces. I'm a part-time lover, Lord. I'm just going to hang out with you sometimes. But I also got my other men or women over here on the side. So anyway, he says in verse um, 11, And the Lord said unto, the, unto me, The backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord. And I will not cause my anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. So he's letting them know, guys, I know I'm God, but I can get angry too. You guys don't want me to get to that point. Right now I'm hurt and I'm urging you to come home. I understand you're a dumb sheep. I understand you don't know what's going on. I understand you were born in this world and you're a child of Adam. What I'm trying to get you to do is be a child unto me and come unto me because I'm warning you. You guys know that the way of the world is wrong. That's why you're always hurt. And when things go wrong, and you need money and you need comfort. You're always running back to me. And I'm always taking you in with open arms. Well, I'm sick of it. I want you to come home, or you're going to be out there. But don't think I'm going to hold my anger forever. Eventually, I'm going to declare you one with the harlot, and I will come to see you.
1: That's
2: right. So anyways, he says in verse 13, Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. And ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So what do we know? Babylon is in the church. He said, man, leave all of this. I'll give you pastors that are to my understanding that you might see. So you see, a lot of people, when they're not telling you that Jesus Christ is Lord, when they're not telling you that we ought to forsake ourselves and carry our cross and follow after Jesus and he becomes the only true hope of glory for us, then you're not trying to set somebody free. You want them to come every week, give a tithe, so that way he can use and abuse you, and this is what you find to be peace, when really he's just whoring you out. Yep. People will beat you to death over their pastor for saying something negative about him. Man, you're a whore. <laughs> Only whores fight for their pimp. Yep. Okay, they, they get real mad over that when he's clearly ripping you off. Why can't you see it, folks? Why can't you understand that tithing is an Old Testament agricultural law? There's nothing wrong with offering, but you are not commanded to give grudgingly or of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. Why won't you do it? Why don't you believe it? Because you've been drinking from the wine of the fornication of this harlot. That's right. It's important that they understand that. Very good. Let's go to uh, Jeremiah 5. We'll start at verse 1. All right, we'll get on time. All right, Jeremiah 5 and 1, and it says, Run ye, go and go um, run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and see now and know, and seek in the broad places thereof. if ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment that seeketh the truth and I will pardon it. God is saying, man let me just find a man. Just give me a man that wants the truth that is willing to receive it and I will I will repent of what I intended to do to Israel. What I want to do to Israel is destroy them for their for what they're doing wrong. He's saying, all right, I understand as a society, you guys are not, or well, as a civilization or culture, you're not going to listen to me. And that's why he said, I will take one of a city or two of a house. I'm just looking for a man. I'm just looking for someone that the Spirit of God can work through that will receive the truth and want it. That's how hard it is to find true believers today. Mm-hmm. But look at what he says. And though they say the Lord liveth, surely they swear falsely. So you know what that means when a lot of people are like this. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus Christ is Lord. And they're waving their hand all day. But as soon as you walk out of that church, you're living with the harlot. You're doing with the harlot. So they're saying, oh, surely they say the Lord liveth. Oh, Lord, there is none above you. But he said, man, they're swearing falsely. What they're saying is not even true. Why? because they belong to the harlot. So he says in verse 3, O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. So he's even spanked their butts, and they were not even grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. Why? They've got a whore's Forehead, They've been drinking of the wine of the fornication of the harlot. They are drunk. You see how they're drunk? They can't even see what's really true. Mm -hmm. Ain't no getting through to them unless the Lord comes in. Verse 4. Therefore I say, surely these are poor. They are foolish. For they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. I will get me unto the great men. And will speak unto them. For they have known the way of the Lord and have judgment in their God. But these, so even after the men he's over, he says, But these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. So what is he talking about? That even they have turned against the Lord. But those who will be righteous will obey. They'll be freed from the yoke of the world and come upon the things that be of Christ. So then he says, um, verse 6, wherefore a lion out of the forest shall slay them. So you see, this is God's wrath. What does he do? He leaves you to be a part of this harlot. If the harlot is upon many waters, then this lion that's coming to slay Israel is Babylon. Mm -hmm. Remember, Israel was attacked, I mean, not Israel. Babylon is always represented as the lion. Yep. All right? And then he says, and a wolf of. of the evening shall spoil them. So, what is a wolf always referred to? False prophets. Yep. Remember, he said, "I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves." He said they are outwardly like um, sheep, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Yep. So, this is this is the false prophets. And what will the false prophets do? They shall spoil them. They'll make the people feel good about themselves. Man, you ain't got to do nothing in this, and God just loves you. Man, you can just sit back and relax and have fun. You ain't got to take this salvation thing so serious. You, When you got saved, you receive the Holy Ghost. There's no need to, to seek the Holy Ghost. And once saved, always saved, brother. Once you get it, you cannot lose it. That's what the false prophets are teaching yep. them. This is what the wolf did. He spoiled the people of God that they have turned their eyes from him. That ain't all that's coming. Look a leopard shall watch over their cities everyone that goeth out thence shall be torn in pieces now when did this happen that was the time of greece the time of antiochus Epiphanes, when they took over jerusalem the leopard exactly philosophy that it would tear them to pieces and what does philosophy do it lies and waits because they're trying to teach us all to have a horse forehead a greek mind to be philosophical in thought instead of receiving the truth of god so as you can see this is what's destroying them and see they're torn to pieces when your mind is scattered you're scattered because their transgression are many and their backslidings are increased how shall i pardon thee for this thy children have forsaken me and sworn by them that are no gods his own children have turned against him and they're going after things that are not even God's when I had fed them to the full they then committed adultery so as I gave them everything everything that they ever wanted made sure they were okay what did they do they ran off back to their old pimp their old no good boyfriend and cheated on the Lord with him but look at what he says they committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops, by mass, in the what?
0: Harlot's house.
2: Harlot's houses. They went right back to the harlot. And most people are in a harlot church today, not even realizing that they're a part of Babylon the Great, thinking that they're serving the Lord. They were as fed horses in the morning, every one neighed after his neighbor's wife. Man. So they were just out there fooling around, adultery, you know, multiplied, magnified that they're going after. Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord, and shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? So I want to go a little further because the Lord is talking about dealing with this Babylon. Mm -hmm. This Babylon is in the church. This Babylon is in the education system. It's in the world trying to turn every mind after this harlot, mm-hmm. everybody's drinking from this cup, just as the Lord says. So we're uh, Jeremiah five. We're going to start at verse twenty-two. Let's just skip down to verse uh, well twenty-one. So Jeremiah five and twenty-one, and it says, "Hear this! Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Why?" Do you see as well when you're drunk? Nope. Do you hear as well when you're drunk? These dumb, people yeah. are drinking of the wine of the fornication mm-hmm. of the harlot. Fear ye not me. Now, you know, drunk people ain't afraid of nothing. Drunk people will go out. You could be a real cowardly person. I've never been drunk, so I'm just saying. But a drunk person can drink, get drunk. And they'll go out. You could be the weakest person when you're not drunk. But what do they call that? Beer balls. They call that um, liquid courage. Liquid they courage. start drinking and all of a sudden they want to come out and now they're ready to fight everybody. See, so they don't have fear of the Lord because yes. they're drunk. They don't get it. Alright, let's continue. Let's make the point. So then he says, Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence which have placed the sand of, for for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree? that it cannot pass it and though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail, though they roar, yet cannot they, can they not pass over it. For this people, so the Lord is saying, guys, I'm like a roaring sea. You guys can't even get by me, okay? But you're still trying to. You're still trying to go your own way. Mm -hmm. So he says, he's explaining in verse 23, but this people, have a revolting and rebellious heart they are revolted and gone neither say they in their heart let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain both the former and the latter that gives his spirit in his seasons he reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest so they don't even want the full maturity in the Lord they don't have any fear of them. they don't want anything to do with them your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have um, withholding good things from you. Mm-hmm. So you see, you get what the pimp gives you, or you drink with the harlot, but you'll never get the goodness of God. There are people praying for the Holy Ghost. Man, you're a whore. He ain't giving his spirit to a whore. You've got to be beyond that in order to have the spirit of God. God wants to clean you out. He ain't putting no wedding ring on a whore. No. That's why he says, I've given you a bill of divorcement several times. I've divorced you. But then you come crying because the other guy is treating you like dirt. Now you're ready to come back. And the Lord is saying, what am I to do? I'm married to you. I can't just leave this situation like that because it's easy. It's not easy. I'm married to you and God is bound by his word. That's why the Bible says he places his word above his name. Because if God said it to be God, he must do it. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. So he says, Your iniquity have turned these, and your sins have withholding good things from you. For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait. As he that setteth snares, they set a trap. They catch men. As a cage full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore they are become great and waxen rich. Now you know that. Those are false prophets. What do they do? Lure people into their churches. Lure people into their religion. And because of that, they become rich. Mm -hmm. They've been getting rich off of you. Like Peter says, 2 Peter 2, they make merchandise of you. The old part of the harlot, 28. They have uh, waxed fat. They shine. Yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause of the cause of the fatherless. Yet they prosper. And the right of the needy do they not judge shall i not visit these things saith the lord shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this a wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land the prophets prophesy falsely the priests bear rule by their means and my people love to have it so why do they love it they're drunk and what will they do in the end thereof So you see, when you're drunk, what what does drunkenness do? Lower your inhibitions. So instead of being in the ways of righteousness, you're laying in the world of comfort with the harlot. Man, let's move on. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I want to make this point. So I want to go to Hosea 2 real quick and and get also Matthew 13, because we're going to make this point. So Hosea 2 and Matthew 13. We're going to start with Hosea 2 first. This is into you know harlotry. Hosea 2, we'll begin in verse 1. And it says, Say ye unto your brethren, Ami and to your sisters, Rahama, plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife. Neither say I her, her neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight, and her adulteries from between her breasts. Lest I strip her naked, and set her as in the day she was born, and make her as a what? Wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst. So when he says slay her with thirst, you'll have no spirit. Mm -hmm. So what is the Lord begging Israel to do? to come unto him and be right. He said, "Oh, I'm going to strip you naked." Yep. You know what that means? You'll have no god. Yep. You'll be godless and you'll be in a wilderness, in a barren land where you can't be sustained. And then he says, you slam with thirst. So no spirit. Yep. You'll be hungry, you'll be thirsty, but you won't have god. And I will not have and I will not have mercy upon her children. For they be the children of whoredoms. And that's why he says um, idolatry can be carried unto the third and fourth generation, unto them that hate me. If you are an idolater, you hate God. You got to put nothing before the Lord in order to love him. For their mother hath played the harlot. She hath conceived them, hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. So, you know, this is how we can be from time to time. We're shameful, but when we don't feel shameful about it, we go out, we play with the world all day, and then we want to give the Lord a little time. Man, see that's the heart of a whore. You know what I'm asking for, even though I'm in the world to some degree. I want to be totally set free of yeah, this. I want to be married unto Jesus, have him do what he tells me to do daily and away from this system, Babylon the Great. Yeah.
0: And what um, very many people do is they say, well, I believe in the Lord, but uh, if I don't work for a living, then where's my money going to come from for me to buy groceries and uh, to pay my rent and to do all these things? So, people want to try and make excuses for why, for why we're cheating on the Lord. Saying, well, if I don't do this, then how am I supposed to live? And so, there goes our faith in the Lord. So, it's like, truly, it's like, if it's, how, what's of our, where is the fruit of our labor of trusting and believing in Jesus Christ? We can't just say by word of mouth. we it's, we got to live it.
2: You've got to live it. Absolutely. And that's why Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. He didn't ask you to feel it. He didn't ask you to compare it to the whore. He asked you to keep his commandments. Right. That will show that you love the Lord. So he says, the mother did all this stuff. She went to the, you know, to her ex-lovers or to her other lovers for her drink, for her oil, you know, for her wool, her clothing, her flax, you know, to keep her, uh, what do you call it? It's her linen. Right. And uh, like clothing, her wool and linen. And then it talks about my water. So you know he's sustaining her and her bread. Can
1: I make another? So
2: he's doing all these things, you know, to try. I mean, she's she's being sustained by the world, and so are we at work. You know, I gotta have shoes. I gotta have this. I gotta have that. I gotta have a place to live. So they're in bed with the harlot instead of just trusting the Lord, like He took the children of Israel, or I mean, or the disciples into a barren land to show them no matter what that he is God yeah.
0: real quick here as well because it said her water, her bread and her oil mm-hmm. which also represents in the New Testament Holy Ghost and Jesus Christ Amen. so what if that's also another representation of the false church well exactly. I have to go here for these things yep. instead of with the Lord
2: great point that you would have to do these things you know um, aside from knowing knowing the one true God and being married to him and being faithful that you feel like you've got to go there and that's why when we introduce people to the Lord what is the first thing they say are you going to take me to church what is the church the church is a body of believers Jesus said make disciples he didn't say make churches he said the churches are lively stones now of course a church is a body of believers okay so I'm not speaking against the church church does have an order in how things go but it's about the lively stones that are of Christ. The church is the Ecclesia, not, you know, a building. But see, some people need a building to feel significant. They need it to feel like, oh, I'm a believer because I'm here. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point. Verse 6. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. She shall follow after her lovers But she shall not overtake them. So she can't, you know, control them. And she shall seek them, but she shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then was it better with me than now. So you see, this is is what the Lord deals with concerning us. A lot of people will go and hang out with Babylon the Great yep. and all she wants to do is to murder you. Yep. All she wants to do is take you away from the life source, life source of God and she'll get you sensual, earthly, and lastly devilish away from the Lord. But you see, when things don't pan out for you and you realize Babylon just spat in your face, took all your money and said, well, if you want some of this, you got to go back and get more money. He's like, wait a minute, but I just gave you whatever. Yeah, I know. Well, go get the rest of my stuff. Now, it was so much better for me when I had the Lord.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Man, Amen. Look at A. Hey, for she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, uh, which they prepared for Baal. So you see, he gave her all this, but who did she turn it unto? Baal? Who is Baal? He's the pimp of this hoe. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Baal is the pimp, all right? He's the one. He and Ashtaroth are Babylon the great. Nimrod Nimrod and Semiramis. Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof and my wine in the season thereof and will recover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers and none shall deliver her out of mine hand. Man, we don't want to do this to the Lord. He said, if you fall on me, you'll be broken. Mm -hmm. If I fall on you, I will grind Mm -hmm. you to powder. Before we go to Matthew 13, let's go to Matthew uh, uh, 10. I want to make this point because this is talking about how God dealt with his people compared to how we deal with it. Now, you know, we're going to start at Matthew 10, verse 1, and it says... And when he had, who is Jesus, called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits and cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, why were they able to do this? They walked with the Lord in the wilderness. Yep. Okay. They had forsaken the world. They had forsaken Babylon. They had given it up to the Lord. And how did Jesus, after his wilderness experience, where did he go? Returned in the power of the Spirit. So we all have to have that experience. That's Verse right. two. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these: the first Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, uh, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Levius whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, uh, who also betrayed him these 12 jesus sent forth and commanded them saying go not into the way of the gentiles so what is he saying stay away from babylon the grave and into any city of the Samari- samaritans enter ye not but go rather to the lord's sheep of the house of israel and as ye go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye shall freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for the journey, for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staffs, for the workman is worthy of his meat. So what is he saying? I'm gonna take care of your every need. And this even rings louder as to why he commanded them that. He said, Go not in the way of the Gentiles. Don't go in a worldly way. Go in the way believing God that I will take care of your every need. And that's why Jesus said to them, When you were up out there lacking anything, they said, Nothing, Lord. We didn't lack a thing. He took care of their every need. But you see, we like we like Babylon the Great. We like this whore. We like her styles. We like her trends. You know, we like the things that she likes. You know, we like man. you see, because she's got to have a nice car. Babylon the Great has it all. She has everything that the world would want. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many people are enticed to follow her. Jesus is telling his people, man, don't take thought for what you're going to eat or drink. I'm going to take care of your every need. All you need to do is be faithful to me. And that's why a lot of people will get blessed of the Lord, give it to the world, and then, like the Lord said in Hosea 2, he said, you know, you don't even realize I gave you these things. And what did you do with them? You prepared them for Baal. You prepared them for your other lover that is against God. So yeah. what does God want us to do? Have more faith. Yeah. Believe him. If you don't want to be with Babylon, who do you think is going to take care of us when the mark of the beast is instituted? Yes, it's going to be right. Jesus Christ. Man, we gotta we gotta wake up because Babylon is everything in this world that you desire yep. aside from God. That's Babylon the Great. So uh, Matthew 13, and I believe we're gonna look at because this is this is key too. Matthew 13, and uh, let's look at verse 45. Matthew 13 and 45. Look at what Jesus says. Because he gave seven parables about the kingdom of God in Matthew 13. Uh Look at this one, the shortest and the most significant. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Okay, so he got rid of everything that might have been a Babylon and said, man, I found a true treasure. I'm selling everything for this pearl. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is seeking That's salvation to, to want to follow the Lord and find the words of God and a lifestyle after the Lord as a true treasure. But you see, Babylon wears her pearls to look good, to entice you all to come unto her. People wearing pearls. And I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with pearls, but... A lot of people do it to make themselves just look good. They yeah, like the exactly. finer things in life. The Lord here is comparing them to salvation. Mm-hmm. Let's move on because we're just about done, guys. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. After 1 Corinthians 6, I think we can go to... Uh, oh, no, I've got to make this point. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6 and get 1 Timothy 2. Man, you are got to even see where this even goes. <laughs> first corinthians 6 All right. we'll start at verse 9 first corinthians 6 and 9 and it says know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of god be not deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So what of all these things before the Lord? Abominations. Mm -hmm. They will not inherit the kingdom. And such were some of you, but ye are washed. So you used to be, but you're washed now. But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So what does God want us all to be? washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of Jesus. You will have a lot of clout as a as a bride because of who your husband is and because of who he stands for and what he came to do. Yep. Man, be married to a king, not a harlot. Amen. Verse 12, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any so okay let's say if you buy some pearls that doesn't make you babble on the great if you have a nice car that doesn't make you babble on the great if you have a whole lot of money in your bank account that doesn't make you babble on the great but to be brought under the power of these things makes you babble on the great hey i use a car to get around to preach the gospel i have a job to have some money to feed the homeless and look after people I do certain things that I might please the Lord, but to be brought under the power of them is to be subject to them, making you a, a harlot,
1: mm-hmm. not
2: one of God. He says, um, meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, not for porneum, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. So what does God want us to do? Give back the body unto the Lord. That is the first thing that we need to do. Lord, this is your body. It is to be for you. I'm giving it to you because if God doesn't control it, Babylon the great does. So that's why he says right after this, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I take... Shall I then, then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined into a harlot or joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. So you see, that's why the Lord calls them adulterers and adulteresses, because if you're in line with the harlot, you are a harlot. It is time Mm -hmm. that we confess that so we can be freed from it and do the righteous works of God. Because every day we're learning how to be more faithful to the Lord, but we're still yielding our members to the harlot. Mm -hmm. If you're not doing the Lord's will, then what are your members doing? I mean, that's clear. The people get mad at you for that. (laughs) But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body what know ye not that your body is the temple of the holy ghost which is in you and ye uh, which ye have of god and ye are not your own for ye are bought with the price therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit which are god's so we ought to give the body back so that god can pour out that latter rain put his spirit upon us sanctify mm-hmm. us Cleanse us, justify us That we may be a bride Fit for a king Amen. Now watch this subject get addressed When I saw this I was like oh my lord Like thank you for bringing this forward So now we're going to 1 Timothy Chapter 2 Man this is something Man, The gospel is a true treasure It is First Timothy 2. Look at what he says in verse 1. I exhort therefore that first of all supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So it wasn't just for people. It was for kings too. You notice that? Everybody has to be godly, not the ones that are of the wine or fornication. Look at verse 3 for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our savior for we i mean who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth for god is for there is one god and one mediator between god and men the man christ jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time whereunto i am ordained a preacher and an apostle I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men uh, pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner, look at this also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. So sobriety, not drunk. Not of the world, Mm -hmm. not unto the harlot cup, and all this stuff. Then it says, not with braided hair, or gold, or pearls, or costly array. Mm -hmm. So what is he trying to do to the women? He's telling Timothy, hey, don't have no harlots in here. There's nothing wrong with wearing pearls and all that, but you see... He doesn't even want them to look like the harlot of Babylon. He doesn't even want them dressing and carrying themselves that way. That way
1: they don't bring forth the temptation.
2: Exactly, of Babylon the great. Mm -hmm. Because if you look like Babylon the great, you're going to do what Babylon the great does. You're going to be enticed like everyone else. But which becometh, look, women, professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection, But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but be in silence. Why? Because Babylon the Great has controlled the kings of the earth. Babylon the Great represents matriarchal authority. Babylon the Great represents Eve, represents Delilah, represents Bathsheba, represents Herodias, represents, and at the end of time, what happened? Now this harlot is riding the beast. When Adam gave his authority up to Eve from that day forward women God had to set a rule and say mm-hmm. you're you are to be unto your husband your husband will rule over thee but what is that Babylonian spirit doing fighting back Looking now at- this is what's funny what's this guy's name Elron Hubbard and Jack Parsons they were involved in um, ritual sex magic Babylonian sex magic They said that when they built this thing, when they were trying to work with this golem, they built some type of portal that opened up. And they 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 said the entity that came out of there was -hmm. was a female entity named Babylon. Mm -hmm. And at that time, you can even look at from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you can tell from there that women have now been trying to grab the throne from men. Grab the pulpit and up and start preaching and a man better not say anything. This is all a part of Babylon the Great. She rides the beast. She's not under the foot of the beast. She will be under the foot of the beast because Satan ain't going to rule with anybody but himself. But right now, he's using the woman through feminism, through all sorts of things to demean men. And that's why he really desperately wanted Hillary to be president. I don't really care about the presidency, but as you can see, it's going to come a time. But God makes clear that women are not to rule over men. What does he say? Children are the oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to error, and to destroy the way of thy paths. So Babylon also represents feminism. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: It also represents matriarchal authority. And this is the beast that we're fighting against. So it says... Let all women learn in silence and in subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now look what he did. Went right back 4,000 years from that moment to make his point. And Adam, or for Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness but look what he says lastly with sobriety see it the way god sees it see it the way the bible says it see it the way the lord sees it that a woman might not be drunk with babylon the Great, drinking from her cup last scripture revelation 18 and i'm done
0: mean, and it's just everything is so evident as to why because some people don't understand well what's wrong with um you know a mom being in control and the dad just giving her whatever he wants and not really you know he being there but not you know playing that role and some people say well i was raised by my mom and i'm fine but it's what satan has done through that ever since then when the man has not stood up and trusted in the Lord to be head over his household, things have always gone wrong within the marriage. And most of the time it ends up in divorce. And so the family system is supposed to is always was always designed with the man in, in head as mm-hmm. the hip, because that's how it was supposed to be from the beginning of time.
2: And see, that's exactly right, and that's why when you find a lot of men that won't stand up and be the man in a relationship, and the woman rules it, uh-huh. you find the children in rebellion. Yep, The man becomes a weak, feeble individual, children in rebellion, so God's divine order, again, not in place. This even goes in line with the perverse spirit. Mm-hmm. You see how he tries to confound, tries to confuse, tries to flip things around. So Babylon the Great is just another spirit of conversion, but Babylon the Great, she is religion, okay, she's religion, she's definitely, um, she's definitely a system that we're getting ready to address, and how God is going to deal with it, so it's important that we understand that Babylon the Great um, has many forms, and she's in every part of society, the Bible says that kings and and the princes and if it's affecting the rich it's definitely affecting the poor
0: exactly
2: yep all right so this is revelation 18 and we will begin at verse 1 and after these things i saw another angel come down from heaven having great power and the earth was lightened with his glory and he cried mightily with a strong voice saying Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of, and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. When you hear of unclean and hateful birds, that's speaking of false prophets. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's talking about Babylon the Great. He's addressing the religious system here, but he's really coming against the whole empire that this world is going to be. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants, the money changers, the money people of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So you see, there's a reason why the devil will take people like Lil Wayne, who should be. You know, some bum somewhere laying in a corner doing nothing with second-grade education. They'll take someone like that and make him rich. Why? Because he's a part of her delicacies. This is why Babylon the Great feeds the rap game and gives all sorts of money out. Why? I want to make you rich so you can destroy people's minds and defile them and get little kids to look up to them so that they can lose their souls. Yeah.
0: It's just like how Ellen DeGeneres will give money to uh secondhand families the college fund to kids mm-hmm. because of why? That way they get on board with, they get on board with her. That's and right. they say, well there's nothing wrong with her because she gave me money to support my college mm-hmm. fund when I had nothing.
2: Exactly. To promote what? Homosexuality. Exactly. To get you to see them in a different light. Right. You know, some homosexuals you meet and I'm talking about this spirit, they're some of the nicest people you'll ever meet because the image that they try and portray is that they're gay, they're happy, so they, they try and spread that love with you. But there's an agenda there. They might be nice people, but nice ain't the problem. Right? It's righteous. It's who you're against. Babylon the Great hates Jesus Christ, and it will do anything. Will entice anyone to not, to see things out of a um, a whore's perspective and not a godlike mm-hmm. perspective. Exactly. So you see, a lot of people have taken a part of her delicacies, whatever Babylon says to do. A lot of people are getting rich, marrying gays and all that, getting rich. You see, because you're doing the things of the world that are, that are promoting Babylon the Great. Mm-hmm. Verse four. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. So you won't be judged if you come out from the sins of Babylon, out from the sins and the desires of this world. And God will spare you. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. He remembers her iniquities all the way back to Eve, all the way back to the Tower of Babel, when they were trying to build a tower whose top would reach into heaven. Mm -hmm. He came to see him, and he said he remembered everything that she ever did. This chick has been a thorn in his side from day one. Exactly. Verse six, reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her, double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. So what she promoted in the world, what she gave, how many people were deceived, how many people were you know that their souls were destroyed following after Hollywood following after riches that led nowhere believing that they owned homes that they never Mm -hmm. even owned putting your money in the stock market and having it just wiped clean and they take your money and play with it and do what they want with it For everything she has done killing how many babies how many babies has this chick killed? I mean you think about it, has she destroyed? man 3,000 babies a day in this country alone God's going to have to pay this. God's going to pay this debt. So she's going to get double from what she pushed around in that cup. Exactly. Telling you abortion is legal. Homosexuality is okay. Telling you all these things. Deceiving the nations. God said, I'm going to give you double. Verse 7. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much uh, torment, torment and sorrow give her. For she saith to her heart, she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Now this is big, mm-hmm. because this is the feminine spirit today. The feminine, I mean, the uh, we call Jezebel spirit today. I'm a queen, and then she said, I am no widow. So in other words, I don't have no husband. Ain't you no, know, my husband didn't die, and he wasn't even resurrected for me. I'm not married to him. Yep. I don't need a man for nothing. This is this is Babylon the Great talking. And then she says, You shall see no sorrow. Like ain't nothing gonna come to me. I don't care what this Bible said. I don't care nothing about no Jesus either. What he said he's gonna do, I'm not even worried about it. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. When you tell people the truth about Jesus... This is how people react. Exactly. They ain't paying attention Oh, no. gee, everybody worrying about him. Oh, yeah, Jesus is real? That's what the Bible said, right? Just like unicorns are real. You know what I found out with that when people were saying that the Bible says unicorns and unicorns don't exist? The word for unicorn back in the 1600s, or I think, you know, way back then, was supposed to be symbolic for a one-horned rhino. That was the true definition of unicorn man turned it into something else. But a unicorn is a one-horned rhino. Not one with two, but one with one. So people ought to look up the truth and find out what things are that has nothing to do with what man is saying. Mm -hmm. But you see, remember when we addressed that that guy, that homosexual, and we tried to talk to him about Jesus. He said, well, unicorns ain't real and neither is Jesus. And he walked away, but see, he didn't know what that meant. I can show you guys a unicorn today. Let's take a trip into Africa, and you'll find one.
0: Down to the local zoo.
2: Exactly, right? You ain't even got to go that far. <laughs> so anyway, she says she'll see no, far, no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. for For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. So, you know, like I believe also this is going to be a religious system. This is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be on all seven uh, continents. Okay, I don't know if there's seven or six, whatever, but the point is, is this beast is going to be all over the world. She sits on many waters. She's everywhere. So when this world is burning and destroyed because God is judging it, this is what people are going to mourn for. People, that's why Jesus tells us, man, don't store treasures here. Lay up treasures for heaven, not for here. Because if you fall in love with this, this will make you fight against the very God you claim to love. Mm verse 10 standing afar off for the fear of her torment saying "At last at last that great city babylon that mighty city from one hour is thy judgment come and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore that's right nothing for you to buy the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones so you see what babylon sold this is how she was dressed this is what she has to offer this is what she gave to the world and everybody would want her. Exactly. So it says gold and silver, precious stones and of pearls and of fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thine wood, thine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble. You know, and that's why it makes me sick when you get people talking about, you see this wallet. It's Kate Spade. I'm like, oh, brother. Then who is she? You get what I'm saying? You can find the same material down at a cheap store, and it'll look just the same. and Charlie got rich mm-hmm. off of selling things that look like the real thing, but it's not. But you see, people here are always the finest. I got to be in the finest. Man, your rags are nothing compared to what God has for the linen robes and and treasures we're going to wear one day. And cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and gold and fine flour. And wheat and beasts and sheep and horses. Sheep and horses uh, and chariots and slaves. And what? The
0: souls of men.
2: Souls of men. And you see, desiring this world will make you also destroy your brother because at the end of everything she offered, what was left? Your soul. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose your soul? It ain't worth it. Nope. Because eternity is the reality that we that is blanked, you know, from a lot of people's minds. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee. And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee and thou shalt find them no more at all the merchants of these things which were uh, made rich by her shall stand afar off from the fear of her torment weeping and wailing and saying at last at last that great city that was clothed with fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls One hour is uh, so great riches is come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company of ships and um, sailors, and as many as trade by sea, stood afar off. So everything that they ran after concerning this harlot is no more. Mm -hmm. So you see, she was good enough to entice you, but she could not sustain you. She only led you a one class ticket to hell. Verse 18, And cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? What world is like this? And they cast a dust on their heads, and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, At last, at last, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea, by reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. So God is going to destroy it. we got to set our affections on things above. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. So she killed all these people. She destroyed so many souls and lives. But God said, Rejoice, prophets. And so you know she goes all the way back. Apostles and prophets, mm-hmm. she goes all the way back. This spirit of Babylon. Exactly. And you see, God avenged you. Remember that's what Jeremiah asked for? Remember he said, avenge you for the blood of the prophets and all these people? Well, this is God fulfilling it. And it's so funny that in Jeremiah 51, it talks about the harlot, you know? And then, you know, um, Revelation 18, it talks about the harlot. Mm -hmm. So Jeremiah asked for this revenge. And this is why we can't get caught up in... But God shows love. And, you know I, I just can't see God taking revenge. Doesn't it say love your enemies? It does. But this is God's fight. This ain't ours. Yep. God wants us to stay pure and be with him but he's going to avenge what this Babylon has done. Amen. There's too many souls that were innocent that she destroyed. Yep. Verse 21 And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea saying, Thus with violence shall the great city Babylon be thrown down. So he's going to send a tsunami. That's what it sounds like. You know, be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeteers shall be heard no more at all in thee. So what is he talking about? No more Broadway. Mm-hmm. No more of your favorite entertainment in this city all over the world. You will hear them no more. Exactly. So then he says, and no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be. The education system is done. You know, done turning people to hell. No more of that shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle shall... Candle shall shine no more at all in thee. You know what that means? No more Holy Ghost. Yep. No more Christians, you know, telling people about the righteous ways of God. They're gonna be taken away from this because God's judgment, He's not gonna hear it anymore. It's time to deal. For those who didn't want the Lord, they'll be on that side forever. And for those who did, God is gonna look out for. It. So he says, and the voice of the bridegroom, that's us. And of the bride shall be heard no more at all uh, in thee. For thy merchants uh, were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. So as we can see, the bridegroom, you ain't going to hear no more of Jesus there. There's no need. And it says of the bride who was us. Not going to be heard anymore. And like Henry Gruber brought up the good point, And I noticed myself that we're going to be right in the middle of this. We ain't going to be blasted off in the space away from this. We are going to have to contend with this Mm harlot. Ain't no getting around that. So he says, by thy sorceries. Another word for sorcery is the Greek word pharmakia, which means witchcraft, no doubt, but it also speaks of drugs. And this is why we become a pill popping nation. These things are turning people away from God. And, and, you know, all these placebos and things that they're into Mm -hmm. turned away from the truth unto unrighteousness because I think, man, you know the fastest way to see your kids demon possessed is to get them involved in these pharmaceutical drugs to get them involved, I've seen it I work it, I've lived it, I know what this is about, I mean I ain't live it like I've taken it, but it's been close to home where there are people I know that have had to deal with this, they got off the meds, they became normal kids but the meds, man, you know these are the Mm -hmm. sorceries that the devil deceives the world with and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. So that's what this whore of Babylon had done. I want to read real quick, one second, one last thing, what the Lord intends to do. I'm going to read down, I'm going to read this real quick. But this is the coming of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to turn the floor over to Sarah. And after these things I heard a great voice. This is a Revelation 19 and 1 heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and have avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they say, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up. Forever and ever. And this is what I'm trying to tell people too. The closer you draw to the Lord, the more you are going to hate the world. And this is why God wants us to be on His side and not the world. Mm-hmm. I hate this place. Mm-hmm. I want to see souls get out of it, but I don't want this anymore. Because nope, I realize right. it's something that you can never own. What are you going to say?
1: No,
2: not nothing. It's no, not so not it's right. true. So again, they said... Uh, hallelujah, the smoke of her rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. So it said, Amen, hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne. Oh, actually, I got it here. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God for ye uh his servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. So what does omnipotent mean? All-powerful. Yep. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife had made herself ready. So these are the people of God that did not consort with the whore. They made themselves ready for the Lord. And to her was granted. So the Lord is going to dress his bride up now. Mm-hmm. So um, she was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. No red, no purple, clean and white. For the fine linen of the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of Jesus, of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if John received this truth had bowed down to that angel, and that angel would have t- said it was okay, that would have been the resurrection of Babylon the Great, mm-hmm. Because he would have been saying, yeah, worship me. He said, uh-uh, oh, do it not. Worship God. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Exactly. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. So Jesus Christ, usually when people seek vengeance, they'll dip blood on their um vesture. You know, like in other words, this is why I'm coming to war for what mine was. You even found that like in old times or soldiers, they would see a dead soldier and they would rub their hand in the blood of the soldier and wipe it on him so that they may never forget. Mm -hmm. This is what, well, of course, Jesus didn't forget, but this is what he means. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses um, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it, that with it, he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of almighty God. So he went to war. When the Lord comes back, he's going to destroy Babylon and everything with it. Mm-hmm. And he hath on his vesture on, on his thigh, a name written King of Kings. Lord of Lords. Now this is what's going to happen to the people in the earth real quick, because Jesus is going to reign. So he says, verse 19. And I saw the beast. Remember the one that the harlot was riding Mm -hmm. and the Kings of the earth that were drunk with the wine of the fornication of the harlot and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken And with him the false prophet, so that's the antichrist and the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them, that they received the they received of the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. They both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So as you can see, this harlot when it talks about that she was drunk with the blood of the saints. This harlot is a system and the beast is a system. This is funny, the harlot is religion. The beast is a system. That beast riding the harlot, if you were to bring it into simplicity, is the Antichrist and the false prophet. The false prophet is false religion. Think about this, because it talks about her, the city being destroyed, but these two were taken and thrown into the lake. Yeah, that's interesting. I just figured that out. Verse 21, And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, uh, which um, sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. I just want to tell people, you know, I'm not trying to bring fear to you, but we've got to understand that this whole world lies in wickedness. There is no good in this world seek Jesus Christ while he may be found. Because other than that, if you're in line or if you're in league with this great whore of Babylon, you will also be destroyed. God has given us his spirit. He's making a way that we may receive him in time, that we may not share the same fate of this world. Okay, so I just wanna tell people with that, I love you, pursue Jesus Christ. As you can see, this whore sits upon many waters. So I'm encouraging people, come to the lord get your life right because if christ comes to see you it's not going to be pretty don't wait to the day of visitation to know the truth know the truth now because you have sought jesus and he has revealed to you who this poor of babylon really truly is so that's the lesson for tonight and i'm going to give it to my sister sarah and then from there we will conclude
0: all right let's go to Psalm 20 verse 1
1: Psalm 20
0: verse 1 <laughs> the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble the name of the God of Jacob defend thee send thee for send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifices, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation and in the name of our God will we set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. So what is he saying here is, is that no matter what we do in this life, the Lord hears us. And the Mm -hmm. Lord, I mean, it's just awesome what we were talking about tonight with Babylon because many times people would rather follow the system than follow Jesus because Mm -hmm. they don't, well, he never hears me. And how many times does God defend us throughout the course of the day? Mm -hmm. And most time, we don't even know Mm -hmm. that that's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And he always defended the children of Israel. Even when they were in captivity and even when they were in sin, Mm -hmm. he constantly did that for them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Verse 6. Now know I that the Lord saveth saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. So the Lord hears who? Those that do his will. Those that follow after Mm -hmm. him. Those that are filled with his Holy Ghost. He is the one that um, he hears them and Mm -hmm. gives them strength too. Mm -hmm. Verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses but we will remember the name of our Lord God. So if you trust in chariots and and in horses, you trust in the finer things of life, Mm -hmm. like having a nice car, having Mm -hmm. a big house, uh, having all these wealth and riches in this earth, Mm -hmm. but we know, uh, what does it say again? Um, But we will remember the name of our Lord, our God. Verse 8, they are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the king hear us when we call. So, those that trust in the world, those that trust in Babylon, what's going to happen? They're going down. They're going down. They're falling. So, that's what I have.
2: That's awesome. What a great song for this. All right, I guess from there we can go out and pray. You want to pray out? Yeah. All right. Let's do it.
0: Heavenly Father, I want to come to you this night in Jesus' name. Lord God, I just want to start off by thanking you. I just want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything that you've done. I just want to thank you, Lord God, for your grace, for your mercy, and for your love in this time of Babylon that we're living in. But Lord, you will hear those that are your anointing, and you hear the the cries and the pleas of everyone. But you're wanting your servants, Lord. You're wanting those... That know you to go out into this wilderness, to go out into this world, Lord, and to tell everyone the only joy and peace, Lord, that we can have is in you. And that's it. But Lord God, you didn't save us that we would be quiet. You didn't save us that we would just sit around and do nothing. No, Lord, you saved us so we would go out into the spiritual warfare filled with your Holy Ghost to do battle with the enemy. That you will go with us in these warfares, Lord. You're not going to leave your people behind. You never have and you never will. But we have to trust and believe in you. And Lord God, in every situation that we're in, no matter what we're going through, Lord, no matter whether it's finances, Lord, no matter whether people are having problems with their marriage, problems with their kids, problems with their family, Lord, whatever it is, Lord God, we give it to you that you will work through this situation because you are the greatest There is none more than you, Lord God. There is none higher than you. And you are our all and our everything. And Lord, Lord. we have to trust and believe in that. Because if not, we're living after the whore. We're living after this system, Lord, that does nothing for us. But ends up using us and abusing us and then killing us. Lord, you want a bride. You want a bride that has no spot, that has no uh, wrinkle, Lord. That you can place that row of white linen around. But, Lord God, we are going to have to be faithful unto you. We're going to have to dig deeper, Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have to have boots on the ground. We're going to have to have that greater relationship with you to seek you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you will fill our mind, that you will fill our will and our emotions, that they only be after you, Lord Jesus Christ, that no matter what happens in this life, Lord, the enemy comes and he has nothing in me. We have to be as you are, Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm praying, Lord God, Establish this ministry upon your kingdom that everything that we do is after your will. Thank you, Thank Lord. you Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty. Those that are suffering today, those that are going through real persecution over there in other countries, Lord, even here in this own country, Lord, touch them, bless their lives, Lord, encourage them and keep them strong in the faith. Faith, Lord, that they will continue on and seek you in the furtherance, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Pour out your Holy Ghost, pour out a fresh anointing yes, upon Lord. us. Thank you, Lord God Almighty, and everything in Jesus Christ. Your most holy name, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.